The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is the division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Bias and discrimination in the lending space have been a problem for some time. So some mortgage executives have turned to technology to try and solve the problem. But artificial intelligence can also be biased. Welcome to The Principle. I'm Doug Page, staff writer at National Mortgage Professional. I recently spoke with Roger Fendelman, Chief Compliance Officer at Roostify, about AI solutions and how to make sure they don't proliferate the same bias as people. So again, thank you so much. So, you know, when I was listening to your presentation uh, this morning, the thing that sort of strikes me the most is, and I think probably for a lot of people maybe who, who work outside of the Silicon Valley is, how does a computer program have bias? I mean, it just would seem that, you know, the, the, the kids who enjoyed math were the ones who went into computers. Uh, you know, it, it's all left brain. It's very, very logical. How suddenly does bias show up in a computer program for, for filling out and completing a, a mortgage? I can think of at least two ways immediately come to mind. The first is um, you have to get into the minds of the people that are creating the model. If they happen to have stereotypes, biases, what have you, of their own, those might be introduced into the model itself. So you have to be very cautious of that and a second set of eyes to make sure that that uh, any prohibited bases are not considered in the model. And the other one, which is frankly more difficult to pin down, is what is the data set that you're using to power the model or the algorithm? Uh, it has to be a very broad data set and uh, has to be very represent has to be complete and very representative of um, the the market that you're targeting. And how do you ensure that's the case? especially when historically there have been clear patterns of lending discrimination and that information could very well cloud the data set that you're using. Gotcha. So how do you get out of making this a, a biased uh, application process? How do you, how do you take out, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to ask the, probably the, the dumb question, but I, this is what I, I get paid to do, uh, which is how do you clear out this bias and how do you create a form, if you will, that's going to work on a screen where somebody's going to simply fill in objective information about, you know, income, credit ratings, assets that they have, and how do you strip out any inherent bias in there? What what has to be done? Because it just it it just seems incredible to me. And I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying, but how do you get that bias out of there? Great question, and I, I think that is the question. I don't I don't pretend to come with the with the ultimate answer here. Um, and that's why defensibility becomes so critically important. You need to be able to defend what you're what you've built, because uh, I, I think 
the data itself speaks to bias. If you look at housing data across the country, um, bias frequently comes up as, an, as the number one concern. So when you're using that information or your own, let's say you're um, a bank or an IMB and you're using your own your own data set, well, clearly you're you're targeting certain groups of people or certain um, certain geographic locations, and that itself could cloud it. So I think if you have the proper controls in place, you can mitigate the bias risk by ensuring that no prohibited bases, which is um, the negative use of race, sex, ethnicity, sources of income, geographic location, et cetera, um, make sure that those are not used as controls or, or bases for rendering a decision. And um, then again, being able to document everything from beginning to end, being able to show the logic and the thought process that went into building your models or your algorithm and how you arrived at the data set, how you scrubbed the data set to ensure that it was as bias-free as possible, the testing that you, you performed, external testing from third parties who specialize in statistical regression or statistical analysis, I can't say the word, or um, fair lending analysis and ongoing testing of your, um, of your results. I think is the key to um, being able to at least defensively argue that the bias risk has been mitigated. So really the key here is to document everything that you've done. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Document everything and uh, keep an ongoing log of, of anything over time. Continue to document as, as the model matures. Right. And we write for a lot of mortgage brokers and people who are in the mortgage business, uh, including obviously banks too, as well. Curious to know what your advice would be. Should they build their own systems or would they be better off going to a third party to have them build the system for them so these biases are taken out? Third party would be the way to go. I think that's the, because you're going to get the broadest data set or access to data. And um, they're, at, at the end of the day, and I said this in the session, uh, the, the question came up, who's ultimately responsible for fair lending considerations? UDAP, which is the unfair, deceptive, uh, or abusive acts or practices, um, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, all of those things. Who's responsible? It's the lender. And if the lender is responsible, including responsibility of oversight over their third-party service providers, um, I would I would say that it's very important that the lender, the bank, what have you, um, be thorough in its due diligence of the vendor. Gotcha. And I mean, uh, how much bias is there currently in the mortgage market? Are you aware of any statistics that you can share with us? I don't have any statistics, but I know that widely um, stated areas of bias include uh, appraisals and valuations. Right. And some people also allege that the underwriting itself, the underwriting criteria that uh, the GSEs employ Credit scores have some bias in them as well. I think those are three areas, but I don't have any statistical data around that. 
Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. But, and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, they are looking big into this issue of, of bias? They are. And if you heed the, uh, the words of Director Chopra, I think it was last November or so, he gave a, a speech and, and specifically called out AI and ML as, um, I, I don't have the exact words off the top of my head, and I don't want to say the wrong words, but something along the lines, uh, along the lines of an, an inherent bias in those types of um, solutions that uh, I would suppose mimics what's happening with human-powered solutions. Gotcha. And are we seeing bias in credit, in credit scores too as well? Um, I, I don't know how to address that issue. I don't have any statistics around it. I think the general presumption is that bias in credit scores has to do with the fact that there are many underserved, underbanked people in this country that just their, their repayment ability or the repayment history isn't going to be reflected in credit scores. And I think that's where the concern about bias typically comes from. Gotcha. And then can you tell us more about Roostify and what you guys do? Sure. Uh, Roostify has been around about 10 years in the mortgage space, and we are a digital lending solution for banks and IMBs. And the, the essential premise is to streamline the, the consumer journey, make it easier for borrowers to apply for and get qualified for a loan. And we do that with a, a variety of services that uh, really simplify the application process and the communication process back and forth between the, the lender and, and the borrower. Um, and so I, I think that one of the um, future state goals of systems like ours is to continue that path to get deeper into the lending and origination process and save time, save money by giving the borrower a better user journey, more streamlined to what their needs are and making it easier for them to, to or eliminate the need even for them to have to provide documentation to the lender, speeding up the underwriting process and, and so on and so forth. And am I, did I hear correctly this morning uh, during the previous session that this is a white label solution that you can go to the bank Roostify that goes to the bank and the bank can customize it any way that they want to with, with all, all of their own, their own branding too. Yeah, that's correct. So um, most of our customers, if not all of them have their own custom branded solutions. Our name does not appear in their solutions at all. And uh, it uses their colors, their logos, and they also have the ability to streamline the workflows as well. So they create all sorts of custom user journeys and some of the more interesting ones we have are our partnerships with um, uh, real estate brokerages to allow um, uh, allow for the for the use of this um, much closer to open houses, for example. Um, of course, in accordance with, with law and regulation, um, that I always have to qualify that. And also um, to streamline um, with a, with another customer of ours, who's a, a large bank, to streamline the application process at the branch level. So. You don't necessarily need to have a loan officer seated at every branch or wait for a loan officer to come in for a borrower to make an appointment. Um, almost anybody, including all the personal bankers, can help the borrower through that journey. 
Gotcha. Have we have we reached a point then where so is is the borrower going to work with the banker to fill out this information or can the borrower or the applicant borrower do it themselves? The borrower can 100 percent do this themselves. But frankly, the lender, our customers, the, our clients, they're the ones that drive the workflow. And we have customers all over the map. We have some that are really taking advantage of the full automated uh, electronic user journey, if you will. And then we have others that use this as a facilitator, but they still want to have or give the opportunity for the loan officer to have that personal relationship or build that with the consumer. So it might be a hybrid approach where the borrower fills out a, a, a much of the information, but not quite all of it. And the loan officer calls them back and discusses it. Um, it could be that the loan officer also has a, has their own uh, experience in our system, takes the entire application face-to-face with the borrower. Okay. So there's there's many models for that. Have, have we reached a point yet where we can fill out an application on a cell phone? Yes, absolutely. That's okay. doable. Yeah. Gotcha. So um, there was one more question I was going to ask you, <laughs> uh, too, as well. How much success have you had uh, taking out your services into the marketplace? How many, how many clients and customers do you have, and, and who are they? We have a tremendous number of customers. Some of our bigger customers are Chase, TD, HSBC, uh, Guild Mortgage. And um, uh, there's, this is a newer area in the mortgage space. It's not brand new. It's been around for a few years, but we're still at its infancy. So I think the opportunity here is boundless. Um, and we continue to sign up new customers, um, pretty regularly. I think that, um, over time us and other companies that that do this as well are going to continue to expand the service that's provided the offerings and cast a wider net. Um, much of what we do today is concentrated um, towards the beginning of the application process and a lot of borrower communication back and forth. And we have additional services for uh, credit, for income validation, um, document recognition and, and parsing of data and so on and, so, and, and those types of things. And that only continues. And we're going to continue to expand along those lines because it's important to um, be able to perform more of the services to give the consumer at the end of the day a much easier process or journey through the application process to origination. Is is it is that is what you're offering your current services right now, are they strictly just for mortgage origination or can they be used in other ways in other in other financial products? Mortgage and including HELOCs. Including HELOCs. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got you got both there. Okay. Very good. Well Roger, thank you so very, very much for your time today. I appreciate it. Uh, this is uh, this has been very very informative, and uh, I hope we were able to talk again at some point soon. Thanks, Doug. Great speaking to you. Likewise, thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here are the rest of your headlines for today, September 8th. Nexa is severing ties with AIM. Nexa CEO Mike Cordes says AIM is an organization that is rife with bullying and harassment. We'll have more from our conversation with Cordes in tomorrow's episode of The Principal. HomePoint's layoffs are nearing 1,000 employees, or at least that's what we could find so far. 
The company announced last week that they laid off hundreds. As it turns out, HomePoint filed war notices in four states, Arizona, Florida, Michigan, and Texas, showing the total number of layoffs involved more than 900 people. And finally, mortgage rates are continuing to climb after coming down during the summer. The average rate for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 5.89%, according to Freddie Mac. That's the highest it's been since November of 2008. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.